book and bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Lindsey Brown on Cofield and Company today. She is working the set down at TI Vegas, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. She's got prizes to sign up for, so get on down there. Parking is free. The self-parking in the back, the valet parking out front, and uh, she's got swag to give away. So take advantage of that place. Uh, Great menu, uh, TVs all over the place, the 24-7 kiosk. And speaking of sports betting, Patrick Burbert will be in with us at uh, about 45 of the hour. Damon is in the Finley Toyota studios, and I'm actually on the road in Fresno getting ready for a UNLV football game tomorrow. This is a crazy time, Lindsay. Mm. I mean, it's always a crazy time now in Vegas for sports, but uh, in the UNLV community, this is kind of the crossover where football is finishing out the second half of the season. Then women's basketball, the Lady Rebels come along. Uh, Their first exhibition, I think, is November 1st. I know it's November 1st. Uh, The men... Just played a scrimmage, closed-door scrimmage last weekend. They'll open up on November 8th. First Kruger show is on November 7th. I'm trying to think of all the dates. Um, so it gets it gets pretty hot and heavy here. Uh, so we've been covering a lot of the preseason for the Running Rebels, and I had a chance, uh, along with some other media members, to catch up with one of the stars. I think he's going to be mm, one of the top three scorers on the team, and that's Luis Rodriguez, who they have back for another year, a transfer from Ole Miss, and uh, Lou Rod... When we talked to him that day at practice, we started off the conversation kind of talking about what they worked on in practice and how we felt. I think the practice, the emphasis today was just defense, and uh, which every day is defense and offense, but just cleaning up the small things, um, cleaner switches, uh, just guys being more involved on talking, um, getting off to the ball, being over to the midline, and just things like that, just small uh, details, things on defense. Kruger talked a couple weeks ago about feeling like you guys are a little ahead of where you were last year, and most of it's because you have so many returning guys. Do you feel that way? Oh, are you ahead? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we got a bunch of experience this year, which we had a lot last year, but just more experience this year. And then the guys who came in has been a tremendous job being leaders and stuff, like both the Boone Twins and Jalen Hill and even Rob and just guys stepping up like Jackie and Shane, myself, and uh, Jay Webb just being more vocal just in practice just team effort how did it feel to get some live action at the scrimmage felt good uh to go get somebody that wasn't ourselves um uh i think guys look really good i think we were in sync um a lot to learn from so uh it was a good experience i think help our team moving forward feel like um it was pretty close to replicating what you're going to see in the regular Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we played a good team. They had a bunch of experience as well. You know, the number one player in the country out of high school. So uh, it was good for our team just to get that experience and that, uh, them reps in and stuff like that. Kind of see where we at as a team and uh, learn from it. So I think it'll help us moving forward for sure. You mentioned things to work on. So what do you think you need to work on out of that scrimmage? Uh, just cleaning up our defense, being tighter on our switches, uh, being just more in the help areas and stuff like that. And uh, just even crispier on offense, like running the plays a little bit more fluid and uh, just having this, like little small mental breakdowns that we had, cleaning those up, and uh, I think we'll be in good shape. you see any uh, designated role starting to develop in terms of an offensive leader? You know, eventually last year you guys got to a point where Marcos yeah. was the guy. Right. Um, do you think that's going to develop this year and be more balanced? I think it would be more balanced, but it's, it's kind of hard to say, you know, you know kind of just go with the flow of the season and, you know, who's doing well, kind of how our offense would kind of be ran. But, uh, I see myself being in that position. I see Jalen Hill being in that position, uh, playing through our bigs more this year because we actually have 
guys this year that can make moves out of the post and just running more crispy offense, I think, for, you know, more reads for everybody. So, For you to, you know, say, be a 15-point-per-game guy, right? Yeah. Up your game. I'm sure you thought about this in the offseason. Sure. What do you need to do to become a consistent force where you're at that level? Make open shots, uh, just get out and run. I think if I just be me and play my game, I think it'll happen. So just make open shots, run the offense crispy. Uh, don't look to, like, obviously look to score, but don't focus on scoring. Just making sure I get everybody involved and I can do my job. And I think points will come. And then just playing hard, I think that would be the biggest thing. Is there someone amongst the newcomers you've been surprised by in terms of their ability to score the ball? Everybody, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody looks good, even our freshmen, all of them. Uh, I think, you know, we got a bunch of good guys. So uh, I wouldn't say surprised because I kind of did my homework on each player. But, uh, I mean, just to see them do it every day is kind of like I maybe didn't expect it as much. But I, I think everybody doing really well. So There he is, Luis Rodriguez, back for another season. One of the high-profile transfers uh, from a couple of years ago, and uh, Demond and Lindsey, and first for Demond, um, Lou Rod had some moments last year. He he just got hurt, uh, and that kind of derailed the season at a point. And then he never really got consistent from three. He averaged almost eleven a game, but he only shot twenty-nine and a half percent from three. I do think he can be the guy. I don't know that he will be the guy. Demond, who's your guy in the roster? You think? I don't think they have a Harkless or or a Hamilton. Right, Bryce or, or mm-hmm. Harkless, who's going to average like 22 points a game in conference. So who's your guy who may be the leading scorer? I think it is going to be Luis Rodriguez. I was very high on him last season when it comes to just being efficient and a guy who's got that body that I know that he, he did get injured, but I think he's got you know the, the strength to also, you know play inside and out. But for me, I think the three-point shot, maybe it'll come along. You know, Hopefully that it does. But for me, when it comes to just can he get a bucket, yeah, I think he can easily lead the team in scoring when it comes to conference play. So it's funny, yesterday we talked to Curtis Terry, and he was going back to last year, these same conversations. And I remember him saying, and he pointed out yesterday that, well, you know, last year we really didn't know. And I didn't want to jump in on him yesterday. And I'm like, no, I knew because I said it to you guys that it was going to be Harkless. Uh, and Harkless was awesome. He's a, he was a really creative offensive player. And uh, a guy who's got a ton of gumption. That's a good word, right? Um, when it counts the most, he, he, he wants the ball. This year, I don't know that there is going to be a guy who averages 15 a game. I actually think Caleb Boone might be the leading scorer, but and I still don't know what's going to happen with DJ Thomas from an offensive standpoint. One, he's got to get healthy first because he's got a he's got a left hand issue, and they're holding him out right now. But I think he's going to be ready to go at the beginning of the season. But it's going to be interesting to see how the roles play out here. Um, really, with both the runner rebels and the lady rebels, and the and the goals are different. Runner rebels have to kind of make that first step, Lindsay, to get to the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament. The Lady Rebels, this is insane what Lindy LaRock is going on. I don't know how many games you went to last year or how much you were into Lady Rebels, but she's got it rolling, and now she's got a team where they have most of their players back, and she brought in a bunch of freshmen, so they're going to be completely badass. Like They're, they're going to roll in the Mountain West Conference. I, I could see them last year they went unbeaten. I could see them going like 17-1, and 16-2 yeah. at worst in conference. Yeah, I mean, that's the expectation, right? You're right in terms of, of them being a little bit further along. I'm not super familiar with either team, but in terms of the Lady Rebels, I definitely know more about um, kind of the foundational elements that they have put in that program since Lindy has been there. Like that first season, you saw a huge uptick in defensive rebounds and and, and the, the prioritization of boxing people out playing good defense. And I think that's what Kruger was trying to do last year with the, with the basketball team too. And so... 
Um, I know that they're, they're, the Lady Rebels are graduated a couple of their big-time players, and so they're they're new person at the point guard position as well, so that's going to dictate different pacing. We talked to Lindy LaRock a couple weeks ago on, on Throw the Flag, so that's fully podcastable if you want to go down in the archives. But um, next man up mentality is certainly, uh, I, I think, earned in, in this uh, state for them because, you know, make the tournament last year, you lose to Michigan, you get your ass handed to you in Michigan, but uh, you expect some more noise, right? That's the natural progression. Oh, they want to make the Sweet 16, if not beyond. Yeah. And here's the similarities between the programs in terms of building. Uh, and this is why I think the Lady Rebels have a little head start. The Lady Rebels landed a great player locally in Desiree Young, who amazingly was mm-hmm. not heavily recruited. And now she, again, is the favorite to win the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. You, you uh, alluded to Essence Booker and Justice Etheridge, who were both good local players. And they, I mean, to have those players at that age, that was a big deal last year. And on the men's side, DJ Thomas could be the beginning of you know, landing a top three Vegas player every single year. That's the goal. They want to, you know, as we've said a million times, UNLV would love the men's side to put a fence around Vegas and get many of the top prospects. Because basketball here on both the, the girls' and boys' side is freaking ridiculous. Great development. Um, mm-hmm. but, it, but, it's, but it's easier said than done. And I, I don't get mad at kids if they want to leave the market. I would love for them all to stay. And, and to me, that would truly be you – know, I've always said it. Our, our major league teams here, that's all cool. I've always been more fired up. And I don't know what you think of this, Damon. I've always been more fired up to root for, like, true hometown people if kids stay home. That, that gets me jazzed up. I'm, I'm all about rooting for VGK. I think it's really cool. The Aces are cool. Obviously, the Raiders. Uh, but for me, UNLV, because uh, I've been here long enough where none of these other teams were here. What do you think, Damon? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I agree with you 100%. It's so cool, me being local as well, where, where you play against somebody in high school. And let's say I know that was, you know, for me 10 years ago. But if that guy also goes to UNLV, Ben Carter was a guy was one of those guys for me. Or when he transferred back from Oregon, it's like, oh, I remember playing against Ben Carter in high school. You know, just that little bit of connection that even for you as a fan can have with those local players once they, if they stick around. Wait a second. You were at Pahrump? Uh-huh. That's the high school you went to? Yes, it is, Steve. Did you guys say you had Gorman on your schedule? Sophomore year was the last year we were in the same division. They were the number one no. team in football and basketball. That was the year with Shabazz Muhammad, Ben Carter, um, oh. Ronnie Stanley. The <laughs> kid that went, Wait a second. Shabazz Muhammad. Wait a, I've never heard this story before. Oh, Wait. yeah. Um, so, so you're playing. Demond's a hybrid point guard. Um, how many times did you drive on Ronnie Stanley? Uh, he was already out of the game by the time I got in, so our paths didn't cross. <laughs> well, but they did remember. on the football field, and uh, yeah. there was it was a. I was surprised. I, I, you know, I always try to make talk a big game, but when they put me in the fir- in the first quarter when we played Gorman in football, I was like, me? Okay. <laughs> Next man up to mine. Get out there, knees up. Come on, what'd you play in football? Um. I was defensive back, so but corner or safety, but they put me in at safety, oh. and I was just, I'm just going to play deep. Until I, and the, Anu Solomon was the quarterback, he, went, he eventually went to Arizona. It was a play action, and I said, I'm going to lay this running back out. And then I look, and I see that the quarterback still has the ball, and I look back, and there is somebody <laughs> running down the field, and I say, hey, I should get back there. But the receiver did drop the pass, and I got in his face. And you would have thought that I scared the bejesus out of him. I was the reason I that he dropped that. that pass. I was talking I the most trash. That. 
Lindsey was asking uh, Cam Worrell, a former safety at Fresno State, about the safety position. Between the safeties and the defensive backs, on plays when they get beat or the ball is underthrown or a receiver can't oh. make the play, and then they stand there and they're like, no, no, yeah. and they're yeah. celebrating. Full like, credit to me. You didn't Full do credit. anything to stop them. You didn't do anything to stop them. That was DeMond. <laughs> 100%. Uh, I bet you you had a good launch point, though. I bet you you hit some people right in the right in the gut and probably knocked the wind out of them a few times. No, nah, none of that going on. But the biggest thing. Oh, come I, on. <laughs> here was what He's I was. very humble. You didn't lay down the boomstick. You mm-hmm. had the opportunity. Here's what I did do against that game against, in that game against Gorman. I was also the gunner on punt returns, and I said Here's I need an advantage. I was just going Deacon Jones head slap, and it worked every time. Yeah? <laughs> just slapping him in the helmet. Did you actually Just make a tackle palm. on special teams? Yeah, but w- the, the, the directive was kick it out of bounds, so it never mattered. The directive was kick it out of bounds. <laughs> yes. What they, so they can on run punch. it back on us every time? Uh, do you remember the score? A lot to a little. <laughs> Come on. Oh, no. But in the basketball game, we were so close. It was, oh. We were down by like four points after the first quarter. I think they thought about putting Shabazz in. <laughs> That's awesome. That's incredible. He didn't even shoot up. Now, that all said, because I've heard people over the years say, hey, it's not fair, Gorman's so much better, their players are great, what benefit does it give the guys on the other side to play them? Like, looking back on it, did you still feel good about playing? Even though you're overmatched, did you still feel good about getting a chance to play them? Uh, yes, because those two points that I scored in that basketball game, every sophomore that was in the crowd went crazy. Everybody's like, oh, DeMond scored. <laughs> wow. I could have paid dividends. Good I, got this, I was on the court with Ronnie Stanley. There or you the go. field. Uh, coming up next, we're going to get into one of the big events, and there's so many going on right now around Las Vegas, but NHRA is back in town, drag racing at LVMS. We're going to talk to Brittany Force uh, for the event. You can get your tickets at LVMS.com, but uh, Brittany Force is with Cofield and Company. Damon in as well on this one, so stick around. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. So back here on ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company, and we have a special guest in studio, and NHRA is back in town, and the face of drag racing is here with us. Are you cool <laughs> with that, Brittany Force? Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Did you always like doing media and interviews? I do, especially because um, we've had a weekend off, so it's like you get away from the racetrack, you get away from that momentum of you know, getting back in your car on the competitive side, so coming in early and talking about it and getting hyped up for the weekend – I like it. Right. It gets your mind in the right space. I don't know a whole lot about drag racing, but I am going to go to the, the depths here and be a little bit hardcore. I saw an interview with you probably at the beginning of the year or maybe March, or, and you had talked about, hey, we're going to try some new things. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to uh, some of the folks around NHRA. So how, what were you trying, and how has it worked out? Uh, actually, it, it's been a rough season for us. We came off uh, – we won the championship last year. So on the super high, and this has probably been our, our my toughest season in my career, uh, we've really just struggled. And uh, we made a lot of changes. I mean, on this car, a lot of them, I, my crew chief would be mad if I talked about them. So <laughs> I have to keep that to ourselves. But he went in and, and we made a lot of changes and we knew we're not going to come out and, you know, win right away. It's going to take us a handful of races race weekends until we start to get a hang and feel for this car. Well, we were a little wrong. It's taken us longer than we thought. We thought at least by mid-season Western Swing where we're racing Denver, Sonoma, Seattle, we'd have the car figured out. And again, it took us longer. So um, it's a big learning process for us all. Um, it really, I think, believe, I always believe that, you know, 
even though it's been a hard season, good comes from it. It really shows what this team's made of. And even through the hard, it's easy when you're winning to stay motivated. It's hard when you're losing every weekend. So um, to watch this team really come together and we're still pushing till the end. We have two races left. Uh, says it speaks very loudly of their character and all of us together as one team. You guys were champs last year. We were. So why make changes? Uh, it's just that, you know, it was actually a team decision. Uh, we sat down and talked about it. You could just take that same package we had that we won with, and we did killer all season long. I mean, we were pretty much leading the points from start to finish. We lost it for a little bit, but regained it right when we needed to, and then it ended up winning a championship. So it's do we carry that same you know, package deal over and try to repeat, do it again. But now everyone's catching us. Everyone's right on our tail. Mm. So now do we want to try something new that's going to take a little bit of time, but then it'll put us even further ahead. So we all were game for that. Could you do just about anything on the team? I mean, you, you've been. Absolutely you've been, not. No? Okay. <laughs> no. Like, how high tech is it? And I'm sure it's gotten, you know, crazy since you were a kid. You're around your dad. Your family's really big into racing. I always wonder if the drivers are like, oh, I could get in there. No, not me. <laughs> uh, I could pack my chutes and uh, do fuel. That's about it. Um, I, my crew chief and I sit down and have meetings about, you know, we'll, we'll look at a run, run, pinpoint, okay, where did you feel it? Where did it drop a hole? Where did it move around on you? And he'll pull up this computer screen, and I don't even know what he's pointing at or what he's looking at. It makes no sense to me. But he knows. So my guys, I have a, you know, a crew of nine guys, and they all do their job very well. Very proud to work with them. And I assume, because uh, I think people from the outside are, you know, don't really respect what the uh, the guys and, and women who build the team and, and take care of the car, that are these people like geniuses to be able to do what they do? I like, think so. I, well, I mean, I, I'm sure I would be around and be like, I, I, and I think I'm a smart guy. I'd be like, I have no idea what the hell is going on right my now. My crew chief is absolutely a genius. Wow. He is uh, absolutely incredible. David Grubnick, he used to compete. He used to drive top fuel, so I used to compete against him, which is a really cool dynamic to share that with him because I could come back from a run, and, and most crew chiefs have never – been into a, in a top field car. So they know it's it's hard to understand that pressure and that weight that a driver carries when you're going into a final round or your flavor pack monster energy boss is standing behind your car on the starting line. It's it's a hard thing to explain, but he's actually been in the seat. So he really understands everything. And I could come back from a run and I know I'm just talking crazy. He most people don't know what the heck I'm talking about, but he's like, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I've been there, there before. So it's nice to have that connection with him and, and relate with him on that level. You mentioned that the number, I think, was nine people that are on the team. Can you tell us, besides the crew chief, what are some of the other positions on the team that people are out helping with with the car? So I have a lead crew chief and a co-crew chief. Then we have a uh, fuel guy, floater. Uh, we have a bottom end guy. We have a um, cylinder head guy. We have a uh, supercharger guy. Um, we have uh, two in our clutch department. And I feel like I'm missing one. Uh, cylinder head and, and racks. I said that. LVMS.com is where you get the tickets. The uh, races are – the weekend is uh, basically starting today, but all the way through Sunday. Brittany Force is in studio with us. I, I know you've talked about the the female angle on this whole thing. And, and going back, there really weren't a lot of females who mm -hmm. were in this. So how proud are you of – you know, and your family, right, the, the breakthrough you've made? And do you see a lot more women coming down the path and have an interest in driving? Most definitely. Um, I'm proud to, you know, be a role model for a lot of young kids that come out to the racetrack. A lot of them girls that say because of me, they want to be a race car driver. So that's always something very, really grabs your heart uh, when you have a little kid come up to you and say that. But yes, I've seen it grown. I, like I said, I drove in the sportsman division um, and I see a lot more females in, in you know, in the super comp A fuel cars. Um, so that's exciting to see that. I only compete against one other female full time. Um, 
but there's more coming in. You'll definitely, every once in a while, there'll be a race where, you know, there's a couple girls competing. And I think that's awesome. What's it feel like going 330 miles an hour? Like being strapped to a rocket. Uh, it's like getting kicked in the chest. You get the wind knocked out of you. Really? When you, uh, within the first second, that's when the full clutch comes in and it's uh, six Gs on your body. You're going 100 miles per hour in the first second. Three or four seconds, you you pick up that much? I swear. It's it's nuts. Um, I mean, it, it is. It's over like that. It's 330 miles per hour in less than four seconds. But in that car, it's like it slows down. Um like I said, I could come back and talk to my crew chief and be like, right at 60 feet, it made this move. And then it made a move the other direction when I was about 330 out. Good and job. then I heard the shake. And is that where it dropped a cylinder? And then it was, you know, it started to go into tire smoke, but it cleared up and then went through right right before we got to that finish line. It couldn't have carried it any further. If, you know, the, if the finish line was extended a bit more, the thing would have blown up. So it's like, yeah, you come back and talk about those things. It is crazy. When you talk about how fast you're going within the first second, and then you're talking about G's, where it sounds like I feel like Tom Cruise and Top Gun. <laughs> but are you an adrenaline junkie outside of work, or is it just, hey, this is just work? I'm not looking for thrills outside of work. I think a little bit. I think you have to be a little crazy to drive one of these things. Um, I, I went skydiving a few years ago. That's always been on my bucket list. I want to go back and do that again. So, I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of people do that. I, I don't know. I, I think it was awesome. Actually, you went too. My my PR girl went too a couple of years ago. I did. So I think a little bit. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Had the guy on my back. Yeah. Yeah. I got the video package and everything. Never yeah. showed a person. What? what are you doing? Like, you show you, off. I don't even. I don't even know where to find it anymore. <laughs> so what, yeah. what's it like driving for you? We just talked about adrenaline junkie. When you get into a car and you're just driving city streets, you're like, yeah, this sucks. Uh, it's different. It, I'm not wearing 20 pounds of gear and strapped into where I could barely expand my lungs lungs to take a deep breath. Um, it, it is different being being in a streetcar. Brittany Force is with us. So, as I said, you're the the face of NHRA. Drag racing's in town. LVMS.com to get out to the speedway to watch Brittany and all the other competitors. Your celebrity has given you some really cool opportunities. Uh, I saw uh, what I, basically you did a double dip. It wasn't like back to back nights, but you were at a Ducks game, mm-hmm. right? You're an Ar- Orange County person, and uh, you went to a Clippers game. Mm-hmm. So what's that like going out to you know the other big time sporting events and getting to meet those athletes? It is awesome to be able to do crossovers, which we try to do a lot in our sport, especially local. Uh, I'm in Orange County, so to be able to do the Clippers, never been to a Clippers game. That was pretty cool to do something like that. And with Monster, I do a lot of crossover uh, PBR. I always do the New York um, uh, Madison Square Gardens in January, uh, Supercross events, especially when they're right in our backyard in Anaheim. So it's cool to do those crossovers and just, you know, meet the riders or drivers, whoever they are, and, you know, just have a conversation with them because there are connections between the two. You know, we, we do relate on a certain level, but I look at them usually, like I look at these bull riders that I've met before, and I'm like, you're nuts. You got a bull? I was going to ask you. And they look at me, and they think I'm crazy. Uh, No. that No, I wouldn't do that. I may be in drugs on them, but I would not get on that thing. You were skydiving. My neck hurts just looking at them. (laughs) That is crazy. The bouncing all over the place. All right, so I've got to ask. Steve was asking you about the celebrity, but like Halloween is this weekend. Mm -hmm. I've got to ask. I see it on your Instagram. You've got the whole story of just past Halloween outfits. Yes. Last last year, you were the Joker. (laughs) What's Halloween this year going to be? Um, I, I, I got to wait to post it on Halloween, so I can't tell you. It's that good. <laughs> I wanted the scoop. You put that much thought into it. What's your favorite costume from the past? From the past? Um, actually, I was the Joker last year. That one is actually really fun. I, I did like that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, you were more Jared Leto Joker. Yes, yeah. correct. Yes. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just we're always out here in Vegas, and however Halloween falls, we're usually late at the track. And it's like for me, I want to I want to do the makeup, the hair, like get it perfect. And it's usually by the time we get back to the hotel, it's ten o'clock, and it's like throw this crap on as quickly as you can and get out. So I never get to fully sit there and enjoy doing that because I like to like really pull off the character. But I think I pulled it off pretty well last Brittany year. Forces with uh, Cofield and Company. So last couple of things, very important. One, pitch the audience who haven't been out to the Speedway, haven't been out to see drag racing, why this is a cool event. Yeah, it's NHRA Drag Racing. We're in town Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We start qualifying tomorrow at 1 p.m. Uh, there's nothing like it. If you haven't been, I mean, the facility out there is beautiful. One of my favorite tracks. We've won here in the past. We're looking to win here this year. So there's nothing like it. Two cars side by side, 330 miles per hour, less than four seconds. The ground shakes when these things take off. There's nothing like it. And very important, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I know you put out uh, info on an initiative on social mm -hmm. media. Yeah. So, yeah, it is Breast Cancer Awareness. We usually, in the past, we've, you know, wrapped our cars in pink. We we weren't able to do it this year. But, um, yes, we're – we. I think do I have I might have a sticker on my car this weekend. I I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm um, excited to be here and uh, showing support for that. Yeah, I think you uh, you touted Chevrolet as part of uh, yes. driving for a cure, and the hashtag is We Drive for. Yes, correct. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you and very good much. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Let's go get it back. Right. Awesome. Get yes. The success Thank you. Back. There she is, Brittany Force, one of the amazing female athletes we've got in this country. Uh, should I should I mention her age, or is that a bad thing? Come on, 37 years old. She's still doing it. She's been the face of the sport for the longest time. So, get out to uh, the speedway and check out the drag racing with NHRA. LVMS.com. LVMS.com is the address to get your tickets for drag racing in town in Vegas. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, Golden Circle is the uh, place today and through the weekend. Uh, Lindsey Brown and Magnum will be back tomorrow. Throw the flag from 9A to 11A. Uh, we just had that conversation with Brittany Force. Lindsay had one as well with the NHRA star. I have a feeling yours is going to be a little bit different. Uh, why Probably. did you want to talk to? Well, yeah, why did you want to talk to Brittany Forrest and and what did you think of her? Well, anytime a, a woman comes up that that's done some things with their life, I want to talk to them because I'm I'm looking for little pathways to try to make myself better and and the the sharing of knowledge I think is a is an imperative thing to do. But for her to be um, in a in a gender unsegregated sport as well, like she competes against men, which is really unique. And so I ask her about that, and uh, I I just find. Um, other women that go into male-dominated spaces uh, to be such inspirations. And so I didn't know a lot of drag racing. I, I had to do some hardcore research. I told her that. I'm like, I don't know a whole lot. But uh, I just wanted to kind of get to know her and, and uh, her motivations behind doing what she does and uh, the, the family affair, the, the love uh, that, she, that she grew up with by being around the track all the time. It's not dissimilar to what I did with hockey. And so there's always little ways to make connections uh, no matter what sport you play. Yeah, I mean, the driver side, I think, is one thing, which is incredible mm -hmm. because they're getting up to 335 miles an hour. That is insane. just insane, male or female. But as you said, the barriers for women to get into drag racing over the years, like, it just wasn't – it didn't happen in the 70s and, mm -hmm. and 80s, and then the, the forces kind of broke through. So what she's done has been a barrier breaker, and she is really the, 
I, I'm always amazed, and this happened in MMA, and I covered a lot of MMA for a long time. Um, generally, if there's only a few star women, they become sort of the face of the sport, and then they have to do this stuff. And that's why at the beginning of our conversation, I actually, right out of the gates, I'm like, do you even like doing this? Like, I, like yeah. I can see some people being like, I just want to race. I don't want to have to do 500 interviews on a freaking Thursday every time we come into town. But she said she's good with it. Yeah, not everybody wants to be the, the face of something, or maybe their motivations are different, but it's a grind, and then um, you just have different things that, that I, I think are put on you as women that, you, that not everybody has to deal with. And so uh, I'm thankful that you took the time to talk to both of us, and I, I thank you for setting it up because uh, it was a great time, and I'm excited to hear it on the show tomorrow. Damon, uh, you can talk about the fact, I'm sure you were following it, Ronda Rousey had that mantle on her back mm-hmm. when she – if Ronda hadn't come along, and I have to look back now, what was, what was Ronda, when, when did she start, like 14 or 15, maybe even earlier? Um, I truly believe that there's a good chance if Ronda didn't come along and she wasn't so marketable and dominant, that Dana White may still not have females uh, fighting in his organization. Like, that's how big that was. Yes, I wanted to make a uh, slap reference. As you see, I don't know if you saw this, Steve, but one of your favorite sports, they now have yes. female competitors now. Oh, is that for right? The slap yes. boxing thing for, that they're for, doing? Yes, so we can thank Ronda Rousey for that, Steve, with oh. that line of thinking. Um, sure. But, <laughs> oh. but with Ronda Rousey, no, she was oh, that person it. where people say, that, oh, man, there is. She is the entire reason why the UFC is going to have a women's division. Yes, you are right about that. Even, let's say, before her, Gina Carano, yes, she was good in the time when she was in strike course, but she was no Ronda Rousey. And I don't think that they've still built up a star like that on the women's side since, even though you do, like Amanda Nunes, we can call her the GOAT. We can say the greatest of all time, two-division champion. Still doesn't have that Ronda buzz. Yeah. Ronda started fighting in 2011, so it was a little longer ago than I remembered. Yeah, I don't think Cyborg... Would have broken through. And here's the sad thing, Lindsay. I really think part of Ronda Rousey, aside from being super dominant, part of Ronda Rousey being of interest to UFC was her looks. Because I don't know if you know who Cyborg is, but she's a little bit of a harder woman. Uh, mm-hmm. Big, muscular, kind of you know, chiseled face. Uh, mm-hmm. Also Brazilian, didn't speak English at, very much English at the time. Uh, but that's how big Ronda Rousey was. And the thing with Ronda that I was really getting to is that she did all these interviews for a couple of years as she was trying to help build up the female side of the sport, and I don't think she ever really liked doing it. Like, she she was yeah. good, but as time went along, she shut down, and she's like, I don't need to do them anymore. But I don't think at the beginning she ever liked doing it because it can be freaking taxing on people. All right, quick timeout. Uh, this hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Uh, call Justin and Matt from anywhere in the state of Nevada at 766-1400. Remember, in the north, it's 775-766-1400. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, Lindsay is at TI Vegas. Cofield here in Fresno. Demond's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. And Patrick Berbert is in for his uh, bi-weekly visit with Cofield and Company. Patrick, you got me? How you doing, buddy? How's it going? Thanks for having me again. It's going okay, Patrick. Are you a uh, are you a Central California guy? You ever been out here to Central California or anywhere in California? I went to Del Mar last year in the San Diego area. That was my only time out in Cali. Okay, I will pitch Fresno strong, but I will not do it now because now you just boxed me in. I can't have Fresno beat. <laughs> what though. Fresno can't That's... compete with San Diego? What? Well, not not really. Sorry, Fresno. San Diego is ridiculous. Um, all right, Patrick. I. 
I wanted to get your take on one thing before we get to all these games. How has it been for the books? I'm assuming you guys are crushing the players with this crazy open of the season with all these unders. I think unders for the season now are, what, 64, 41, and 1, 61%. You guys got to be on the right side on that one, right? It's actually been tremendous for us. The public loves to bet the money line with the over, so that kills a bunch of parlays with all these games going under. The big thing with the unders this year is um, they're 12 and 2 when the winds are 10 plus mile per hour on the year. In the last three years, it's sitting at 66% over a 150 game span. There's some, there's about five games this week that are going to include winds or possibly snow this week and really cold weather that we're going to see for the first time all year as well. So, I wouldn't be surprised if these games still continue to go under and the public continues to bet it over. Well, one of those big-time outdoor games, at least in the NFL, is the battle for New York, the matchup that everybody is looking forward to and at least DVRing. But both teams are without their original starting quarterback, so this makes this matchup very finicky, at least for me. And you have bad football being played with three out of the four offensive and defensive units. So what's your read on that matchup? Who do you like? It's going to be a tough one. I like the Jets here. Zach Wilson, obviously not very good. They need Aaron Rodgers back, but he looks a little bit more confident out there the last few weeks. As far as the Jets, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL if they're able to move the ball a little bit so the defense doesn't get too tired out there. I said a few weeks ago that when Daniel Jones went down that Tyrod Taylor might be a little bit of an upgrade over Daniel Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and so far it seems to be true held to that. So it's going to be interesting to see what these two teams do this week. It's a really low total. There's going to be um, some cold weather win there as well. So I won't be surprised if there's not a lot of points scored in this game. So. But I think I have to go with the Jets in this one. It's Cofield and Company, Patrick Berbert, uh, risk supervisor at the TI Vegas Sportsbook. And uh, I know he loves the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. That's where he's housed. Uh, we were talking uh, during the day about all the cool things about the uh, setup there at the Golden Circle. What do you love most about it? What's the biggest benefit for the uh, players and uh, anyone who wants uh, to watch games on those TVs? It's a great environment to come and watch games. We got tons of big screen TVs. Uh, we offer two um, sides to this bar restaurant that we have. So if you don't want to listen to one game, we have another side where you can listen to another game. And something really cool is that this book offers that a lot of the other books don't offer. There's a ton of sports memorabilia in here that you can walk around and see for yourself. Yeah, I got the, the Major League Baseball hats over there. I know that Chris is obsessed with the, with the jockey stuff over here. I, I love coming in here because it's not just jerseys because those are so easy to see. Like every sports bar has those, but when you have like actual stuff where you have the, the eclectic mix of all the different things that you guys have on display here, uh, it gives a good vibe for me to do the show. I know Steve would probably say the same uh, when, when he's here with us, uh, but instead he's in Fresno. I want to talk about the NBA a little bit. Are you prepared to talk about that, what we saw from the Milwaukee Bucks the other night? One-point victory. Damon uh, and Giannis look absolutely amazing. Uh, is it one of those games where you overreact a little because you see so much clicking on that roster, or is there already such heightened expectations for the Bucks after they made that trade originally? I actually watched this game last night between the Bucks and the 76ers. Obviously, the 76ers are without James Harden. Probably a, a good thing. I think that's a good thing for them as well. <laughs> they bring in Nick Nurse, a head coach. I really think that was a great pickup for them. I think he's a huge upgrade over Doc Rivers. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the Bucks, obviously that offense is going to be really potent. Dame now paired with Giannis. But I think I'm seeing a really big step back in their D now that Drew Holiday is gone. Mm -hmm. I really think that they're going to struggle 
to possibly, against really good teams, close out tight games if their defense can't lock down together. Takeovers on their opponents too, I guess, right? Sorry, Damon. Hey, Patrick, I really wanted to ask you about go back to the NFL, and you spoke talk about coaching there with Nick Nurse, but with the Patriots, I'm looking at the DraftKings line. I don't know where you guys have it at, but nine and a half with the Miami Dolphins. Do you think that the Dolphins could be 10 points better? Or do maybe Mac Jones, you know, he showed us a little something last week. I think that the Dolphins are going to run away at this game. Don't, don't think that the Patriots went over the Bills is something to really brag about. Um, the, the Patriots have a lot of things going on with their team. The Dolphins obviously have one of the best offenses in the NFL. As we know, the Dolphins also haven't won against a above 500 team since week three against the Bills last year. But they're steamrolling these teams that are under 500. So I think they're going to continue to do that this week against the Patriots. All right, Patrick, your guys, the Saints. Oh, boy. <laughs> Offensively, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been interesting. It's kind of it's weird with the Colts. There hasn't really been a, a change in the number. Frankly, I feel like the Colts are rated a little higher with the Minshew Mania in there. So what's going to happen this week with the Saints and Colts? We're sitting at one and a half for the Saints on that game. Obviously, for the Colts, Minshew is going to be a starter for the rest of the year there. Um, Anthony Richardson went in for his soldiery, uh, so- shoulder surgery. Both teams are coming off two straight losses here, so and they're still in the playoff hunt, so this could be a big bounce-back week for either team, a huge win that both these uh, teams need. Alave, Chris Alave, this past week, he was arrested for speeding, but he's going to be good to go. There seems to be a lot of uh, chemistry issues going along with the Saints, with Derek Carr getting along with his receivers and the uh, the rest of his team so I don't know if the Saints are in the uh, right mind frame right mind frame right now but I really like what I'm seeing from this Colts offense Shane Steichen came in at head coach this year and he's really solidified them into a top 10 offense so I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts win this week even though their defense isn't that very good yeah I talked to my cousin who's afflicted with the same sickness that is your fandom for the Saints and he's ready to give up on Derek Carr so I'm like welcome to the club welcome to the club but I want to talk at that Monday night matchup between the Raiders uh, and the Lions big time game uh, kind of like the season on the line type of game but they say not to bet with your heart but with your head and I would expect the Raiders to be an underdog in pretty much every category that you're offering uh, but where would you where would I look if I want to bet both like something good that the Raiders can do that I have a high chance of winning like do you have a special bet that you can give me there just a little wiggle room to be an optimist probably take one of their receiver props over yards okay because they'll be playing from behind so they're going to pass the ball a lot and you're and you're betting on the effectivity of that there, there's going to be deep ball connections you think that's going to happen whether well, it's short passes because the lions are playing a uh, deep coverage that's true so, um the raiders are still trying to find their identity here they got to go with aiden o'connell this week they can't go back with brian hoyer again no. you know what you're going to get from him it's average qb play at best Aiden o'connell you drafted him see what the rookie's about he's only played one game that's not a, enough of a sample size to make or break the kid so you got to see what he what he gives out there obviously the raiders also have a, a lot of things going on with uh Devontae adams drama and jacoby myers i would say probably solidifying himself as the wide receiver one in las vegas now mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on with the Raiders this week. I think the Lions will bounce back, though, after their really bad loss against the Ravens last week. They have enough offensive pieces to get it done. Their defense is still very good. Um, I think the Ra- uh, the Lions would show out in primetime here Monday night. Patrick, I know when they played a few weeks ago that it was only a 19-8 victory for the Chiefs over the Broncos, and the Chiefs are the away team. They're going up to mile high. But I still think that plus seven isn't enough. 
I would agree with you, Damon. Actually, this line opened nine, around nine, nine and a half, and it's quickly made its way down. The Sharps love the Broncos this week. And on top of it, I I don't think there might be much room to pass this week. So if the Chiefs are limited to pass the ball, I think they might have some problems because it's going to be 28 degrees at kickoff. It can get down to 11 degrees, and you're going to have a 77% chance of snow. So, <laughs> yep, it's so, October. So this might be a running back duel right here. So if the Broncos can get their running game going, they might be able to keep it close enough with the Chiefs. Patrick, uh, what's the public doing with the Jags, too, against the Steelers? We're seeing a lot of two-way action on this game right here. Obviously, both teams have hit their stride. The Jaguars have won four in a row. The Steelers have won four or five since their week one um, against the 49ers. I like what I'm seeing from Trevor Lawrence this year. Obviously, with the Steelers, Matt Canada's offense leaves a lot to be desired. He reached 300 yards last week for only the second time this year. So... I need to see more from the Steelers' offense, but George Pickens and um, Kenny Pickett seem to have a really good connection going on there. So is there a prop bet that you can take for the Golden Knights' win streak? Is there, have you guys put that one out yet of how long this is going to go? As, as there's a tie game against the Chicago Blackhawks right now, but have you guys offered anything considering off to, off to a good start that they've gotten? We, we haven't um, thought about offering that, but that's actually something oh, that we could put into maybe that, consideration. Look at this collaboration we're doing, this creative, this, this circle we're making here at the Golden Circle Sports. But look at that, Steve. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'm intrigued, Patrick, by Sam Darnold being in for Purdy. I don't know that there's a big drop-off with Darnold. I guess we'll see if he goes back to uh, you know bad Darnold with the bad Jets. How are people reacting to this game with the Bengals and San Fran? You know, it's funny you say that, Steve. Um, in my power ratings, when oh, the Brock Purdy news came out, I didn't think there was a drop-off at all. Obviously, the market disagreed with me, but it's coming back the other way. We're seeing a lot of two-way action now that the market settled in at um, four on this game. Um, we're sitting at three and a half, though, but we're seeing really good two-way action on that number, so we're not going to move it. Um, like you said, with the drop-off with uh, Purdy and Donald, I don't think it's that much. Um, the last the last couple of weeks, we really saw that Purdy might just be another quarterback in Shanahan's system that he succeeds well in. He's got really good playmakers around him. But obviously, without Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey dealing with a little bit of a lingering injury, he wasn't able to be that effective. Brock Purdy ranks dead last in the deep ball, and he's uh, bottom five in the league in uh, completed passes behind the line of scrimmage and short field passes. But yet the 49ers ranked fourth in yards yet to the catch per completion, so that just goes to show that their playmakers are really stepping up for this team right here. So I really don't think there's a drop-off with Darnold coming in at QB. The Bengals are playing a lot better now. Their defense has come together. I need to see more from T. Higgins first. Jamar Chase obviously can't do it by himself. Tyler Boyd's only catching like seven passes for 40 yards, so there's not much really of a threat there. So if the Bengals can get their offense rolling, this will be a really good game this week. Obviously, the 49ers have a great defense, so let's see what we'll get from these two teams this week. It's the voice of Patrick Berber working at the Sportsbook at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, the TI Sportsbook. Let's wrap on this final one. Uh, we got about a minute left, Patrick. And everyone get down there. 55-plus TVs. The betting kiosks are open 24-7. You got... Uh, the fish and chip special, you get the collector glass with that one. That's uh, in full effect. And the menu is tremendous, and they keep adding items to it. Vikings are going to smash the Packers. Am I a public schnook on that one? Actually, you're on the sharp side on this game. A lot of the sharp is on, on, on the Vikings here. 
obviously know Justin Jefferson for the Vikings, but uh, Addison has really stepped up in, 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 in his placement. He's got, he seems to be their red zone target. He leads with uh, six touchdown catches this year. Vikings have won two in a row, and they find themselves sitting as a seventh seed in the playoffs, so they're, they're right there. If they keep winning, they'll keep climbing their way up. Obviously, going to Lambeau is always, is always a tough place to play, but Jordan Love, the last few weeks, he leads the league in interceptions the last four games since his really hot start to the year. So if the Packers want to turn it around, it all starts with Jordan Love. Patrick, are you going to dress up for Halloween, or, and can you enter the contest at Gillies? I cannot enter that contest. And, um, I haven't thought about Are you going to dress up as uh, Rashid Shaheed? Uh, he's a speedy wide receiver. If, <laughs> You can he go seems to be the early from back in the day. He seems to be the only one catching balls around in New Orleans. So I, I think I'd have to dress up as him if I was going to dress like up Jeremy anybody with the Shockey Saints right or now. something like a throwback oh, or something. Go. Just put some marker all over your arms. You live it up for for one day. Yeah, Thanks, hey, Patrick. Patrick we are up against you. it. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. We're back with another hour right here on Cofield and Company.